New information has revealed that thousands of emails related to ArriveCan have been deleted by a federal IT bureaucrat, including alleged bribery. Despite millions of dollars in federal bailout money, Bell Media announces it will lay off almost one-tenth of its workforce. Justin Trudeau denies having invited a former Nazi to a reception. Reporters press Conservative Party leader Pierre Polyev to give his position on the new proposed trans policy in Alberta. Our goal, as always, is to bring you news, culture, and politics from a distinctly Christian, conservative, and Canadian perspective. It's February 13th. I'm Andrew DiBartolo. This is Liberty Dispatch News Brief. If you're using MailChimp, HubSpot, or Salesforce for email marketing, CRM, and sales, you probably know they've been canceling voices of freedom and truth. That's why we at Liberty Coalition Canada have switched over to SalesNexus. SalesNexus is a complete business marketing and sales solution that won't tell you what you should say or believe. Try it yourself at salesnexus.com and get two free users for the price of one with the promo code LIBERTY. That's salesnexus.com, promo code LIBERTY. The scandal surrounding ArriveCan is ongoing, and just like the COVID propaganda, it just won't seem to go away. So we have a story of Conservative MP Larry Brock shocking the House of Commons with several revelations regarding the ArriveCan app, including technical and financial shadiness surrounding it. This is from Rebel News, quote, The report, preliminary statement of facts, alleged serious employee misconduct, so serious that you required the RCMP to investigate at least two criminal charges, fraud and bribery, said Brock. Page 10 of the report alleged an ArriveCan contractor solicited a bribe, he added. It is very clear. The report predates the suspension of two former Canada Border Service Agency, that's CBSA managers, and an ongoing RCMP investigation into ArriveCan, the committee learned. Among the confidential records include supplementary allegations that a CBSA manager deleted four years of ArriveCan emails between 2018 and 2022. Now, the number of emails that were alleged to have been deleted by a top liberal government IT bureaucrat is approximately 1,700. So Brock rightfully asserted that such action should not only fall under the category of criminality, but also reeks of corruption. But it goes even deeper than that. Financial bonuses were given out to federal health executives who worked on the ArriveCan app, totaling more than $340,000 according to new data. Eight Public Health Agency of Canada executives were assigned to work on the ArriveCan app from March to September 2022. Of those eight executives, five received a, quote, at-risk bonus, and four received a, quote, performance bonus for the 2020-2021 year. The next year, six of the eight executives received that at-risk bonus, and two received the performance bonus. The combined bonuses amounted to $342,929 for eight people between 2020 and 2022 fiscal years. So in summary, millions of tax dollars were wasted 
and given to friends of the liberal government to create a RiveCan, a tool that was ultimately used to oppress Canadians. Then people who worked on the app were given hundreds of thousands more of our tax dollars because, just because. Finally, 1,700 emails from the CBSA regarding ArriveCan were deleted. Now, I'll note that yours truly received a $6,000 ArriveCan ticket for the offense of coming back into our country and not bowing to a tyrannical state. Now, we're going to continue to bring you updates on this entire boondoggle, but my guess is that whatever comes out, it's going to be three teaspoons of incompetence, two tablespoons of negligence, and probably four cups of globalist corruption. Now, while we're speaking of wasted money and totalitarianism, Bell Media has announced that it will lay off 9% of its workforce, citing a recent decision from the CRTC. In other words, a captured federal bureaucracy has made life difficult for a captured state media propaganda organization. Yeah, that, that sounds about right to me. This is from True North News. Quote, the cuts have resulted in Bell Media terminating multiple television newscasts, other programming cuts, and the sale of 45 of its 103 regional radio stations. A total of 4,800 employees will be affected. The company also announced plans to close 107 The Source stores while starting a partnership with Best Buy Canada to operate the remaining stores, rebranded as Best Buy Express. The Montreal-based telecom behemoth reported a 23% decline in fourth quarter profits, which fell to $435 million. Despite the downturn, the company aims to achieve savings between $150 million and $200 million in 2024 through these restructuring measures. Close quote. What led to the layoffs, you might be wondering? Well, the CRTC decided to allow third-party resellers to access Bell's new lines of the high-speed fiber network before Bell even had a chance to recoup from their investment of laying down the lines in the first place. So for anyone who's paying attention, this is further evidence that the state ruins pretty much everything it touches, especially when it seeks to control everything. Moving on. I've said before on several of our shows in person with people, and even this past weekend as I was at a conference, that the Canadian political situation is essentially a WWE storyline. But instead of Stone Cold as the good guy drinking beer and giving stunners to the villain Vince McMahon, you have Pierre Polyev eating apples with reporters and embarrassing Trudeau in Parliament. This past week was a great week for the Parliament Professional Wrestling Association, as I like to call it. So we'll give you the highlights. First of all, you remember when Trudeau invited a former SS Nazi into Parliament and everyone, including Polyev, applauded him like a bunch of trained SEALs, with the former speaker even calling him a hero? Well, it gets even worse, if you can believe it, and I'm sure you can, because you probably live in Canada. This is from the Post Millennial. Quote, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau continued to deny Tuesday any responsibility for inviting a former Waffen SS soldier to participate in an official visit by Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky. 
although former Nazi Yaroslav Hunka did not go to a Toronto reception that Trudeau invited him to attend, he sat in the gallery during Zelensky's speech to Parliament and received two standing ovations from MPs. The invitation from Trudeau was sent to Hunka four days before the reception by the Office of Protocol of Canada. The reception, which took place at Fort York Armory, was attended by Trudeau, Deputy Prime Minister Christia Freeland, and President Zelensky and wife Olena Zelensky, along with other members of Canada's Ukrainian community. The invitation, seen by the outlet, was sent through email with the subject line, Invitation from the Prime Minister of Canada, September 22nd, 2023. The email stated, Dear Yaroslav Hunka, the Right Honourable Justin Trudeau, Prime Minister of Canada, is pleased to invite you to a special event. The event will take place on Friday, September 22nd, 2023, at 8.30 p.m. in Toronto, Ontario. Close quote. So that, by the way, is what Trudeau is denying. I had no idea he was coming. I didn't invite him to the reception, even though clearly he knew. I mean, th this, this was approved by him. It has his name on it. So clearly he knew. So he's lying. Now, many people have an opinion on this about Trudeau's invitation to this former Nazi, and probably still a Nazi, but he has to be so in secret, so... His, uh, his evil doesn't come out and show. So a lot of people have thoughts on this, on this invite from Trudeau and then Trudeau denying it and this Nazi in parliament. And one such opinion is from Russian President Vladimir Putin, who during a recent interview with Tucker Carlson criticized both Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky and, by extension, Justin Trudeau for applauding a Nazi with a standing ovation in the House of Commons. Now, Putin, who's no cupcake, makes a valid point showcasing how much of a joke our country is to the rest of the world. And that's cause for self-reflection. But sociopaths are incapable of remorse or repentance. So rather than address this circus, Justin Trudeau had this to say about Putin's comments during the interview. You've been such an ardent supporter of Ukraine, but there's been a lot of controversy surrounding President Zelensky's visit here, and now we've heard Vladimir Putin use some of that embarrassment in an interview with Tucker Carlson. How does it feel to know that that visit and your office's role in inviting a, Nazi, a former Nazi uh, to a reception is creating hardship for an ally? Vladimir Putin chose to invade a neighboring sovereign country violating the rights, the sovereignty, the territorial integrity of Ukraine, and violating the rules-based order that underpins the safety, the security of all of us living in democracy, in free democracies around the world. He will, of course, use whatever propaganda he can engage in, but I can tell you, Canadians will not be fooled. Unfortunately, we see the lengths to which Russian propaganda will go to try and impact public opinion, to try and twist things the way we want to. So essentially what, what we just heard was a reporter saying, Mr. Trudeau, how do you feel about the fact that 
you know, a rather evil world leader is rightly criticizing you for inviting a Nazi, which is pretty egregious thoughts. And, and his response is, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Nothing to see here. Propaganda, propaganda. It's basically his response, which again is what you would expect. He's a drama teacher. But that's not the only tone deaf and unable to read the room move made by our prime hypocrite this past week. No, 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 no. There's an even worse one. While criticizing the conservative party for wanting to return back to better days under Stephen Harper, we have this awful and amazing soundbite from Trudeau. Mr. Speaker, what we hear from the leader of the opposition is uh, under the previous conservative government, everything was perfect. And what he is proposing to do is to make Canada great again. That is not what Canadians want. He is pining for a nostalgia that, quite frankly, Canadians do not feel. So I've called this the Parliament Professional Wrestling Association. And here we are, and we have this WWE-like villain, Trudeau, setting himself up to be hated by the fans, right? He's denying, he invites a Nazi, he denies it, that's a bad look. He's like, you know what, Can Canadians don't want Canada to be great. That's not what they want. So this is not a, this is not a good look. So there's the villain. Now, here comes the hero, Polyev. Here comes the, the wrestling hero, Polyev, to drop some amazing wrestling promos and drive the narrative. Okay, this is from the post-millennial. During an event with Indigenous leaders in Vancouver on Thursday, Pierre Polyev announced that the Conservative Party would be supporting the First Nations resource charge, a policy that would see First Nations take back control of their resources and money by simplifying negotiations between them and resource companies. One of the leaders in attendance, Doig River First Nation Chief Trevor Makadahe, praised Polyev for increasing collaboration in their joint effort to make Canada great again. Mr. Polyev, I commend you on having the foresight and, and seeing that for us to go together and make Canada great again, we need to do it in partnership and uh, government to government. You, I mean, you couldn't write a better script than this. Here you have Trudeau saying, Polyev wants to make Canada great again, which is, I mean, clearly a, a jab, referring to him as being a, a Trump light. But here's Trudeau saying, he wants to make Canada great again, and we don't want to make Canada great again. And then Polyev comes alongside with this indigenous group and cuts his own really good wrestling promo and says, and he doesn't say, the indigenous person says, we look forward to making Canada great again. And the fans obviously go nuts and hold up their we love Polyev Bristol board in the audience. And Because here's, here's Polyev. He just gave Trudeau a stunner. That's basically what we saw. We saw a fantastic display of wrestling theatrics. And I, I mean, I, I write the script for our show. I think I do a pretty good job. I don't think I could even write a script like this. I mean, this the way that the Parliamentary Professional Wrestling Association is working itself out, whoever their script writers are, they're doing a fantastic job because Canadians are completely duped. They are sucked into this. They're eating out of the hands of this theater 
and they think that what they're seeing is actual politics. They think that what they're seeing is real life and that this is really as it as it as it appears to be. And they don't realize that this is all just a fantastic script. This is just a WWE-esque script, and we're all being taken along for a ride because we actually think that Polyev's going to come in and save the day, and he's going to be our hero, freeing us from the villain Trudeau when it's just all a show. And backstage, they're enjoying a beer. Or in the case of Polyev and Trudeau, they're enjoying a soy latte together. So Polyev also scored some more conservative points. He 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 dealt another good uh, Polyev stunner by finally saying, finally saying that he's opposed to children chemically castrating themselves when pressed by reporters to address the recent announcement in Alberta. The question I have is, why did it take Polyev so long, and why is it? that there were leaked emails showing that Polyev gave all of the conservative MPs instructions not to comment on the Alberta trans policy? Well, the answer is simple in my estimation. It's the same answer as to why it is he was silent on the convoy and silent on the COVID stuff, and then finally he came out. He was just waiting for the poll numbers to come in and let him know that this is what he needs to say that this is now the way the tides are moving. This is actually a winning issue for his base. And if he wants to be elected, he has to flip-flop like a slimy politician in order to get the votes that he needs. So this is him finally, and you're going to hear this clip. And even still, he is struggling to simply come out and say it. It's the same thing, by the way, You know, several months ago, there was a CBC reporter that asked him after the Public Order Emergency Commission found that were after their finding was that the invoking of the Emergencies Act was legitimate, which thankfully Justice Mosley said it wasn't. But when the POEC said that it was legitimate, the CBC reporter asked Polyev, so now that the POEC has found that it was a legitimate invocation, do you take back support for the trucker convoy? And rather than Polyev having courage and integrity and, and grit, because he's none of those things, because he's a snake, and he's a liberal who wears blue, and he can't be trusted, and he's an evil man, rather than saying, no, I continue to support the convoy, which would have been a good thing to say, he does this whole slimy dance around CBC being corrupted. So there's elements of that in this clip we're about to play you, where his first answer should be, I do not support children cutting off their penises or taking drugs to sterilize them. But he can't say it because he's slimy, so he does the Polyev dance. Listen to this. Do you, support, do you support age restrictions for puberty blockers and hormone therapies for trans kids? Um, I think that uh, Justin Trudeau is trying to divide and distract Canadians by spreading disinformation about uh, the decisions that premiers and parents are making. I want to know you, I want what do you think? What do you think? It's your own party policy. At party I convention. think we should protect the rights of parents to make their own decisions what does it mean? with regards to their children. And I believe that adults should have the freedom to make any decision they want about their bodies. But minors, I think they're... I think and medical interventions for minors as your own party members suggested. Medical interventions like what? The, that, it, that is the language that your party What medical used. interventions? Well, well you would have to ask your party members. What medical such interventions? As medical, uh, such as puberty blockers and hormone replacement. For minors? Yeah. Yes. Irreversible? You're talking about. I, 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 I would like to understand you. I just want to be clear. No, I want to be clear. I just want to be clear. 
puberty blockers for minors. Yes. Do you agree with that? Do you agree yeah. with that? I think that we should protect children what and their ability mean? to make adult decisions when they are adults. So you think only adults, only adults should make, oh, you said yes, just, just to be clear, you said yes, only adults should take puberty blockers? I think we should protect children, let them make adult decisions when they become adults. So that means you support age restrictions. You are against puberty blockers for kids under the age of 18. Is that, is that clear? Okay. What about, can I ask you? So in case you are dizzy, Right, dizzy and you're dizzy and you're vomiting because of that spin around as he was running circles around everyone. The reason why that dance had to happen, in part, is because there's a little bit of a slimy politician, but also because I don't care what he says or what anyone says. At the end of the day, Polyev is a liberal dressed in blue, which means Polyev is okay with the murder of innocent preborn babies. He has no problem with it. He supports it. He also believes we should be paying for it. Polyev has no problem with all manner of sexual deviancy, none whatsoever. He supports it. His number two, Melissa Lanceman herself, is a sodomite. Number three, Polyev doesn't actually have any problem with transianity. He doesn't. In principle, it doesn't bother him at all. At all. So he knows he needs to win over some of those in the middle, right? Some of the more leaning into the trans stuff libertarians that he wants to steal maybe from the PPC or that he wants to win over from the liberals. So he has to do this dance. It's, it's rather despicable. So if you, if you're listening to that and you're thinking, Oh yeah, he's the guy, he's the hero of conservatism that if we vote for him, he'll be in power. He'll fix everything respectfully. That's foolish. That's not the man for you. Because a man of principle, a conservative man that's actually going to defend what must be defended is going to answer that question clearly, quickly, and with boldness. Not do that slimy politician dance. Absolutely not. But again, this is the Parli Parliamentary Professional Wrestling Association. This is how he's got to cut his promo. Here we are. Let's wrap up the show with a brief look at several other stories that I think warrant some examination. First, in a delicious slice of irony chocolate cake, the Liberal cabinet had a retreat discussing affordability, and the retreat cost a lot of tax dollars on affordability. This is from the National Post. Quote, updated expense numbers put the cost of the Trudeau Liberals' three-day affordability-focused cabinet retreat last summer at just under half a million dollars. Figures contained within online proactive disclosures and newly released responses to order paper questions put the current cost of the retreat held in Charlottetown August 21st to 23rd at $485,196. However, costs could still be higher as there are receipts still outstanding and some departments have declined to disclose their costs related to the retreat. Spending more than 400 grand on a three-day retreat to tackle afford affordability is tone-deaf and unacceptable, said Franco Terrazzano, federal director of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, close quote. So that's egregious. Here we see the Conservative Party doing the right thing, but for the wrong reasons, and that matters. This is from the Globe and Mail, quote, the conservatives had voted en masse against a modernized free trade deal with Ukraine 
in its final rejection of the enabling legislation, while a new poll see, while a new poll says the party's voters are at the forefront of declining Canadian support for the European country during its war with Russia. Bill C-57, the legislation underpinning the new Canada-Ukraine free trade agreement, passed third reading on Tuesday by a vote of 214 to 116, with the support of the Liberals, Bloc Québécois, and NDP in the House of Commons, and now heads to the Senate. Members of Conservative Party leader Pierre Polyev's, sorry, his party who voted to oppose the deal, included foreign affairs critic Michael Chong and defense critic James Bezin. The Conservatives attribute their opposition to the bill to its imposition of a carbon levy on Ukraine, close quote. That's the important part. The Conservatives are not exercising any critical thinking regarding Ukraine. No, they are fully bought into the Ukraine-Russia narrative, fully on board, fully believing everything, parroting what we're hearing in legacy media. They just don't like the carbon levy on Ukraine. They're not thinking critically about the nature of Ukraine and the corruption in Ukraine, as we saw during the last election in the United States, where prior to it, even though there was this whole nonsense about Trump-Ukraine collusion, which turned out to be a nothing burger, clearly we saw that Joe Biden threatened to withhold a billion dollars of aid to the Ukraine unless the prosecutor investigating his son's gas company was fired, and then the Ukraine proceeded to do just that. They also happen to be, the country also happens to be somewhat of a center and hub for sex trafficking and the sex slave trade in that part of the world. Now, I'm not speaking again about Ukrainian people who are there who find themselves in a war-torn country. That's not the issue. The issue, as with the issue in Israel, we're not talking about Jewish people in Israel who are suffering at the hands of terrorism. What we're talking about is the corrupt state and the bureaucrats who don't actually care for the people and they themselves are thoroughly evil. But the Canadians aren't thinking about that. The Conservatives aren't thinking about that at all. They're just saying, oh, we don't like the carbon levy on Ukraine, so we'll oppose it. Unbelievable. Now, a story from Blacklock's reporter shows that Immigration Minister Mark Miller is very upset that Canada hasn't seen any relatives and refugees from Gaza leave the war zone and come to Canada yet. It's very upsetting to him. Actually, a troubling story the bringing in of refugees from Gaza. But what makes it even more disturbing is that the federal government has decided of people from Gaza, the federal government now would like to bring in thousands of people from Gaza, immigrants, to our country. And that's their plan now. Now, what could possibly go wrong with that? Everything. Go wrong with that. Alberta Premier Danielle Smith continues to position herself as another foil to Trudeau out West, living out her rebel cowboy role quite well, I might add. She's doing a really good job of stepping into this, you can't tell us what to do, you know, a little bit of this Alamo, Texas, we're going to stand up, we're going to stick out like a sore thumb, and you can't, we're going to defy you, Trudeau. She's setting herself up well as a foil to Trudeau. So this is from True North News, quote, 
Alberta will not accept the federal government's proposed emissions cap under any circumstances. That was the message Alberta's government relayed in a 24-page response to the federal government's draft regulatory framework to cap oil and gas sector greenhouse gas emissions. The federal government's proposed cap is ineffective, unconstitutional, and unacceptable, said Alberta in the lengthy response. Instead of managing emissions consistently across all regions and sectors, Alberta claims that the federal government is targeting a single sector and proposing a cap that will overwhelmingly hurt Alberta and negatively impact the entire country. Albertans will not accept this cap or the attack on its constitutional jurisdiction, economy, and citizens that the cap represents, said the province in its response, close quote. How about we end the show with some comedy? No, something a little funny, maybe a little joke that seems like it's an article from the Babylon Bee, but actually isn't. So this is a real story from CTV News. If, if you can believe it, just get ready. This is, this is real. No, not, not the actual content is real. It's not actually what's happening. But the story is a real story put out by a real news outlet. Again, let me not a real news outlet, a state-funded propaganda media outlet. But nevertheless, this was sent out into the world. Quote, forecasters, forecasters say a warming global climate could actually cause some parts of Canada to see colder conditions, including heavy snowfalls, like the one that hit parts of the Maritimes this week. There's a direct relationship between the temperature of the atmosphere and how much water it can hold, said Judah Cohen, a research affiliate at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, who works as a director of seasonal forecasting at Verisk, Atmospheric and Environmental Research. It's like a sponge, he says. If the atmosphere is very warm, it could hold a lot of moisture. You put all the water in the sponge, and then as you slowly lower the temperatures, it's like squeezing the sponge, and so all the water comes out of it, he said. Brilliant, if I might interject. Just like it's it's a combination of Shakespearean poetry and Einstein-level intellect and scientific acumen together in this marvelous brilliant, scientifically rich allegory of the sponge and the water. What an absolute buffoon this person is and, and CTV for writing this article. But let's continue, shall we? Beginning Friday, this is again, this is this person from MIT who we're supposed to take seriously but has a big red clown nose on his face. Beginning Friday, the sponge got squeezed as a stalled low-pressure system off Nova Scotia's coast dumped up to 150 centimeters of snow in parts of Cape Breton, prompting local states of emergency and a call from the province for federal help in digging out. About 20 or 30 years ago, Cohen said, now listen to this, listen to this sentence, everyone. This should tell you that right here, this, this is... This is everything you need to know. About 20 or 30 years ago, Cohen said, the consensus in the scientific community, okay, here the experts, was that a warming world would result in less snow. But now it is believed climate change could lead to more intense snow and rain, he said, 
close quote, what nonsense. Did you, like, go back and listen to that, please. I'm not going to say it again because I'll either start laughing or I'm going to curl up in a ball and cry. But go back and listen to that if you dare. A warming global climate could see colder conditions. Like, do they expect us to believe that? The cognitive dissonance is so thick, I can't even see through it. Do they expect us to believe that? Oh, it's like a sponge. Thanks for the analogy, professor. Are you kidding me? My son could come. My seven-year-old son, my, my nine-year-old son can come up with, with a better illustration. A more Like, oh, it's like a sponge and you squeeze it and the water comes out. And there's more water. It's colder and it's snow. What absolute buffoonery. And that last sentence, again, you know, 20, 30 years ago, we thought it was the exact opposite, but now it's this. You remember that sentence. The next time someone says, oh, but 97% of scientists agree, just retort back. Yeah, but 20 years ago, they believed the exact opposite. 30 years ago, they believed the exact opposite. So what's going to happen in another 20, 30 years? This climate cult, this alarmism is the equivalent of the shaman shaking up the cup of bones, boing, kind of pouring it on the floor and saying, what do the bones say? Ooh, the, bo the bones tell us there's going to be rain. The bones tell us there's going to be 50 years of global cooling. The bones tell us that if we don't do anything, the climate will, that's all it is. It is supernatural witch doctorism. That's what this climate cult is. You need to be aware of it. And that paragraph there that I just read should tell you everything you need to know, that this is a superstitious, pseudo-supernatural, witch doctor, shaman climate cult. That's all this is, which is why we need to reject it. Well, there you have it, friends. You're all up to date. Canada is still on fire. And we get to roast some more marshmallows over the open flame as we love our kids, build our churches, and plan for a multi-generational war that will see God build his kingdom and us hand off a strong church to our children and our grandchildren. Until next time, Galatians 5.1. Liberty Dispatch has been brought to you in partnership with Liberty Coalition Canada and Christian Week and has been produced by SDG Media. You can find all things Liberty Coalition Canada at libertycoalitioncanada.com.